0: Hello and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here, along with Sean Humes. Uh, before we uh, get going here, I just wanted to mention that I posted on my blog from uh, Tuesday night's NXT is a three-way match uh, between Io Shirai, J.C. Kane, and that Australian friend of Indy Hartwell. I can't remember her name, but anyway, the point is, is that it was. Time for to set up next week's Halloween Havoc match, but uh, EO is pretty good at it, so make sure you check it out. Okay, Sean let's get going with, first of all, from Saturday, we had Norma Dumont the Aspen Lad by unanimous decision. And the one thing I'm going to say about this fight is this. To me, it looked like Aspen didn't really want to be there, okay? And basically, look – I understand why she took this fight. She figured she owed one to the UFC, right? Because of, of this way. Of that. But if you really don't want to be there, don't take the fight.
1: Yeah, um, I wish I could say it was something standout, but in my experience with Aspen Ladd, t- in most of her fights, she'll usually put up somewhat of a struggle, but this has been her trend for years. She kind of comes out flat. She kind of stands around. She kind of follows around. She kind of doesn't do anything. The only difference is usually when her corner yells at her, it snaps her out of it. And she does something usually about 30 to 45 seconds. And that turns the fight around and she wins it. In this case, I think it was one of two things. One, I think you were right. She didn't really want to be in there. She wasn't really invested in the fight. And mm-hmm. two, when she had her big moment of offense, it's one thing to beat up on these banaway girls who she's bigger and more powerful than Dumont. Isn't a great athlete, but she's a bigger heavier, and probably just as strong dynamic athlete. So when she landed those three or four shots, instead of it dropping her or putting her on her heels, it busted her up a little bit, but she kept on going. And Aspen ran out of ideas after that. She had moments of success, but at Bantamweight, those moments win her fights. At Featherweight, those moments just were 10, 15 second moments of successes. And she didn't have anything to build off of that. It didn't change
0: my mind about Norma Dumont. I don't think she's any good. Because if she was any good, she would have won that fight a lot more convincingly than she did. Secondly, they got to get rid of the, the featherweight division. It just stinks. And the only reason that they keep it around is because Amanda Nunez is a narcissist. She didn't used to be this way, but she's this way now. Okay? If she was really cared about, you know... Women's MMA and the business, she would just drop the belt and say, end the division. But all of a sudden, she wants to have the glory. That's the behavior of a
1: narcissist. I think it's the glory, but I also think it's, if I remember correctly, um, champions get a percentage of pay-per-view, get a little bit more money. If she maintains the championship in two divisions, that's a little bit more money multiple times. So it It makes her, it it, it enables her to maximize her earnings because she made a lot of money early on fighting Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, Holly Holm, and Cyborg. There's nobody like that in either one of these divisions for her to fight. She has no money fight. So she can make that up by maintaining both belts and all the extra sponsorships and money she gets from pay per views. I really don't care about that shit. I'm I'm just saying it has to go. Well, it, it does. But in context, how fighters fight, the fights they pick, the fights they chase are all more or less motivated by the potential money or opportunities they'll present. Having a, being a double champion presents certain opportunities and presents certain financial windfalls. That's what she's into. It's no, it's not really a challenge. There's nobody who can really challenge her <clears throat> anymore, but it's another way of her getting money and it, it, it separates her from all the other fighters.
0: So, Shawan, a lot of the talk afterwards uh, was
1: the way... Uh, Jim West
0: yelled at Aspen between rounds. And I just laughed at the outrage. It's like, what? I first of all, it wasn't fighters who were outraged about this. When you saw the fighter reaction to this by people like Daniel Cormier, for example, I I could name some others, doesn't really matter. They just laughed. They said, listen, we get yelled at all the time. It's not that big of a deal. You know, and he's yelled at her before and it actually has worked didn't work in this case but that's not his fault Uh, the point is I don't know why it shows people who are in the media who have never fought they don't understand
1: this is part of the business okay I I think it's it's part of a bigger problem one people clearly never seen her fight before because this is the norm yeah he's never had to yell at her this much because usually she has that big burst and that wins the fight Secondly, this is something I talked about on Twitter and I talk about to other people. Um, I've worked with fighters. I've worked with basketball athletes. And when you're a male fighter, people don't mind if you get in their face, if you get in their shit, you dog cuss them, you tell them they need to be a man, blah, blah, blah. It's all well and good. And the same thing in basketball. You could poke someone in the chest. You could scream them down. Yeah, get on my son. Tell him to be a man. He needs to step it up. But then people say they want their daughters to be just as great whether it's fighters or athletes, and then you raise your voice, you clap your hands, you get a little confrontational, and people get real defensive. All of a sudden, they're like, wait, you can't talk to her that way. You should empower her. You should compliment her. No, sometimes the circumstances demand that you call somebody out on their shit and tell them, hey, because at a certain point, he was giving her a technical instruction. She couldn't process it. It wasn't work. One or or the other. At some point, you have to tell people, you just had to fight. You've given away so much of this game. You've given away so much of this fight. We have nothing left else except for you to go out there and fight this person. And if they don't do it, you have to push them and push them because, you know, after the game or after the fight, they're going to feel terrible at the opportunity they lost and the, the repercussions they're going to have to face because they didn't perform. So you have to do whatever you can to try to spark them. And sometimes telling them the right technical move or strategical move, it doesn't work. They don't have it in them. Sometimes you just got to try and motivate them any way you can. And that's all he did. He tried to be polite earlier. He tried to be calm. Nothing was getting to her. Now, it just seems people are very defensive about women being confronted or Well, to- see, see,
0: I, I was just going to mention that. It's a double standard, Swan. You know, if a male fighter gets yelled at like that, there's no outrage. But she's a girl, so that's why the, they, there was outrage over it. It's a it, double standard. A fighter's a fighter, guys.
1: Not even just fighters, it's any, it, literally any sport. You could be in some young man's face, screaming him, he's coward, he needs to step up, he's soft, it's fine. I've seen it. I've, I've coached boys before and I've yelled at them. On that. Parents love it. Oh, love it, coach, you got into him. Yell, yell at their daughters, who they say they want to be the best to, all of a sudden you're getting calls from the, the school. Hey, you know, he shouldn't have done that. He was a little too confrontational. I don't think you should talk to an athlete like that. That's funny because I coached your son and I screamed on him and you cheered me on and I coached your daughter and I screamed on her and now you want to go, you have an issue with it because you don't feel comfortable seeing a girl being confronted in that manner. So the bottom
0: line, Shuan, is I just thought that the criticism of this was a big overreaction, way over the top. Most of these, you know, commentators and it wasn't, I can it was not fighters. Fighters do what the hell was going on here. Okay. And it's happened to them. Okay. It's the commentators because they don't know what they're talking about, man. Okay. And I might add that one of the most prominent commentators was outraged at first. I'm talking about Ariel Helwani, right? He was outraged at first. And a couple of days later, after Daniel Cormier commented on it and said it was no big deal, he reversed it. He changed his mind.
1: So, well, you know, he might have changed it, but I, you know, like when you get better information, I'm glad he conceded. I, I'm glad he didn't double down on it. Whether it's fake or phony, at least he understood the circumstance and deferred to someone who knows better. Yeah, I not, guess so. Because so. Lauren Murphy wanted a more positive corner. So sometimes it's different. But to the outrage is where, I mean, if you have a problem with it, you have a problem with it. But to be outraged, like this is a fight. Listen, this is listen Lauren Murphy's an idiot, okay? She may be, but she is a fighter. So I can understand somebody having a problem with it. But the outrage is where I found. I'm like outrage for what? He, didn't, he it wasn't even that bad. He didn't call her any names. He, no, I mean, all he he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't swear. Well, he did swear. He didn't swear her. Yeah, he just called her out. He held her accountable for her job. You at, you probably asked for this fight. You demanded this fight, and now you're going to throw everything away because you're not going to try. And this is going to kill us with the UFC, and it's going to kill your reputation. Remember all the talk before. Aspen Ladd tries to finish fight. She's not like Holly Holm. Oh, really? Well. She didn't want to be there, man. Uh, well, then she shouldn't have taken the fight. Well, we know why she took the fight, Swan. I understand that. But if you're gonna take it's like somebody saying I'm injured, or like somebody saying I'm injured going to game, well, I was hurt. Well, then you shouldn't have played. Well, I had this kid by accident. I don't care. The kid's here now. You do what you're supposed to do as a parent. I don't want to hear your excuses once you accept. I'm sorry. I understand it. But I don't want to hear it because you still accepted money, whatever reason it was. You still went in there. You think the UFC is happy about this? They know why it ain't happy about this.
0: Yeah. Anyways, let's go on to the next one. Mano Fioro, or however the hell you pronounce it, uh, beat Mayra Buena Silva by unanimous decision. Um, Mano is from Nice, France. She trains at boxing squad. Her coach is Alric Casada. And she looked really great in their first two fights. Mayra is from uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, Schwan, I found out uh, what happened. I, I, remember, I, I remember what happened, what's happening with her as far as her training. She and her girlfriend, Gloria de Paula, have left a uh, shoot box in Sao Paulo. They've taken one of their coaches with them, and they're going to open their own gym. Huh. Okay. So that's kind of unusual in Brazil. But that's what they're going to do. They're they're they've taken the coach that they were working with uh, at Shootbox, and they're going to start their own gym. I don't believe they've done that yet, but they are training with him. Okay, so that's what ha- what's happening there. So um, Manon, uh, after the fight, <laughs> now she won pretty easily, mostly because for Mayra basically did nothing, no offense. She basically made faces at Manon for the whole fight. I don't know why the hell she was doing that. And you can't make faces at her. That's not going to get you points. What's going to get you points is punching, okay? And she didn't do that. And Manon, after the fight, I wanted to mention this. After the fight, she was upset that she didn't get a finish, okay? And the reason she didn't get a finish is she was headhunting. okay? She needs to start going at the body, and when she goes at the body and is effective at the body, that'll open up the head because she's got to drop her hands and then she can knock her out, all right? And I think what we'll see here is Manon is nobody to screw around with. Her and Ulrich are going to be watching the tapes and they're going to work on that. And I have a feeling we're going to see her do a lot more of that next time.
1: I think Barella, to a degree, had, had Fiora, Fiorit Had her scouted. Man- a- Go ahead. Mano, just call her Mano. Mano. She had Mano sca- sco- scouted effectively because she's never been much of a body puncher. She's mostly a side kicker, maybe a front kicker. She right. doesn't really do a lot of a body. Front- so to that degree, Barella had her scouted and was. B- what do you brilliant. call her?
0: Her name B- is B- her name is Mara Buena Bueno Silva.
1: Oh my God! I am so terrible Sorry. Bueno Silva. Had her scouted correctly and was able to take away her initial what? Because in earlier fights, she throws those flurries to the head or those single shots to the head. She rocks people. She backs well, them up. She controls them. Well, well, I think, was- that's be- I think that's
0: because I think that's because Mara is a better fighter than the two previous opponents. But she, is, she is. Why better, didn't but- she?
1: Why didn't she? Why didn't she punch? Well, first of all, first of all, she is better. But a lot of opponents teams do not scout correctly. She she didn't win the fight, but she essentially took away one of Menon's chief weapons which was the, the the head strikes the thing she was trying to do was she's trying to frustrate her like i'm going to take away your head strikes i'm going to stay in front of you i'm going to attack your body a little bit attack your legs and see if i can frustrate you to get you to overcommit to where we can get in some kind of tie up or clinch where i could probably get you to the ground and submit you or get you overly overly aggressive because it happens in in mma and combat sports it's a lot of ego you you stick your tongue out somebody expects to knock you out early, you're still there late in the rounds. They might do something crazy, throw a crazy head kick, load up on a yeah. big punch. Yeah. I think mistakes. she kinda of, I think she kind of misread that. Well she did. She thought she thought that her opponent would get frustrated and would kind of just fight stupid. At no point did she she just took what she gave her. Okay, fine. You're just gonna cover up and walk forward. Then I'm gonna chop your legs. I'm gonna sidekick you I'm gonna throw these flurries. Yeah they're not landing but I'm still winning because you're not throwing back and I'm still backing you up. So essentially right. she just dominated with her speed and her activity and she stuck to what she was. She never made an adjustment because Bueno Silva never did anything else to threaten her. So she didn't have to, she didn't have to adjust. She just got the fight done for to for this fight. But as you said, she'll probably watch the film and she'll be like, okay, people are gonna start looking for this now. Now the body's gonna be there. I need to be prepared to to drop that left hook to the body. No, so the
0: reason the reason I suggest that she'll make appropriate changes is that she's a very high IQ fighter.
1: Yes. Okay. And, and she's
0: clearly got great coaching.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I think she does have great coaching. I think they've set up a, a strategy. I mean, the takedown was very sneaky, very un, unexpected. That was smart of her. She fights with a lot of poise and balance. She doesn't become overly aggressive. She kind of mixes in her combinations. She knows how to control range, extend it, maintain it, and close it. Like I said, she could have gotten very frustrated by Buena Silva's ability to take away her because you could tell she wanted that knockout early. And that high guard essentially neutralized any chance of that happening. But she stuck to her game plan, and she did what she needed to do to win the fight. Weno Silva needed to take chances. But Weno Silva also knows that if I take chances, I'm going to get blown out. So I'm just going to stick to this and hope she makes a mistake. And if I can just do enough, that when I get my one or two mom- two moments, I'm going to make the most of them. In one case, they were on the ground. She tried the knee bar too late, Never, and, ever- and, and Manone got out of it. I think there was one other case where she almost got a takedown or something of that nature, but she was just hoping for one, one or two moments where she could take advantage of it. She was not going to put herself on the line to get beaten, beaten up or to get knocked out. She was just going to pressure it and keep a tight guard to see if she could wear down or frustrate her. And by the way, Mano is now ranked. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, just off of talent alone, she, she, she she's ranked. She's fighting a slightly better opposition. We still don't know If she has the ability to adjust in fight, because we haven't seen it yet, but we know she's got knockout power. She's probably one of the athletes. And outside of uh, Valentina, I don't know that there's another striker on her level as far as their balance and ability and their range of strikes. I see. I see her uh, as champ one day. It's possible. She. I mean, she's got the tools. Okay. What was the third fight, Sean? I forgot. Oh my God, I did too. Let me let me look it up because I. And I was thinking about it too. I was like, let me not forget this third fight. Use the events. I'm hoping it wasn't a good one. I can't imagine it was. Otherwise, I'd remember it.
0: I can't remember who the fighters were.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up and pulling it up. Give me just a second. My computer is super slow today. Damn, this internet.
0: I'm, I'm not on my computer at the moment.
1: Oh, yeah, I happen to have mine. Because this happened before, where you were talking about a fight, and I could not remember who it was. I was like, let me have this computer up next Uh, time. Okay, give me two seconds. I got it. One and two. The last fight was Luana Carolina versus Lupita Lupi. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the one where uh, Lupi Godinez
0: fought last week, and then she decided to move up a weight class for this just to fill in because I think the original opponent, whoever the hell it was, was a COVID-19 deal. Okay? But she obviously was going to lose because she's much smaller than Luana Carolina, so that's probably why I forgot about it because there was nothing really notable at the fight. Luana Carolina really should have blown her out if she didn't.
1: Well, the thing is, Godinus' people took the fight because a she was going to be sharp. She just fought. She just won. And Carolina is she's a big physical specimen with some with some good fundamental striking skills, or at least strategically fundamental. But she obviously has holes in her grappling, which when you're oh, facing somebody, and I and I might and I might add, she's not too smart. When, uh, like, for example, when goddina's got her down, she once she got her down, she controlled her for the better part of the round, a much bigger, much stronger opponent. And the reason K- Luana was never able really to put her shots together, because she was very cognizant that Godenas was going to take every single opportunity to drag her to the ground. So she wouldn't put three or four or five strikes together. She wouldn't put a ton of power on them because she's afraid of missing, overextending, getting getting. Clinch and body lock, getting single leg, double leg, whatever it was, she was afraid of getting put on the ground because she knew she had nothing for Godinus, even though Godinus is a much smaller and probably weaker opponent. She had to be very meticulous. And if you watch the fight, it was boring. Luana won it clearly. But Luana ended up against the fence a lot and she was on the defense a lot. And Godinus got in on her hips quite a few times. She just physically muscled her and bullied her off of them. So she was scared yeah. that she's gonna get taken the crown, and she she played it safe. She just did enough to win the fight, throw a couple strikes, land a couple clean, win the fight on activity and power. But yeah, I didn't like I, didn't like. I didn't like the fight. <laughs> she couldn't afford to lose to a girl moving up in weight class like that. Yeah, I didn't like yeah. the fight at all. I it was it was not a good. It was not necessarily a good fight. But I have to admit, even though Luana isn't the highest IQ fighter, at least she made the adjustment of let me deal with what's in front of me. I'm not going to open up too much. Even if it means catching a couple shots or making Godinas look better on the feet than she is, I'm not going to set myself up to be submitted or taken down consistently. So I'm going to play it smart, use my length, use my physical strength, and keep it bare bones striking.
0: Okay, with the fourth fight we had, Ariani Carnelosi uh, beat Estella Nunez by a third-round uh, rear-naked choke. And I think the thing that we saw here... Is Estella Nunez has been inactive for several years, okay, because she was coming off a two-year drug suspension, and uh, she hadn't fought lately, and so it, it really showed in this fight, I don't think Ariani is a better fighter than her, I don't think so at all, but uh, Estella, when she gets more active, I have a feeling she'll be pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, she may be better than her, but the fact of the matter is, you know, <laughs> we've, we've had a, we've had other fighters stay out for long periods of time and come in sharp, and the UFC doesn't want to hear your excuses. Now, she'll get a chance to, to get momentum back, but momentum is easy to lose and hard to gain at this level of mixed martial arts. So we, in, in theory, she should get back on track. She should start winning fights. She should be fine. But we can't act like we haven't seen a fighter lose a fight they probably shouldn't have lost and never really recovered or get to or get some time off, and never really get back into the into the routine or the, the the momentum they had previously to being suspended or hurt or whatever it was. That happens all the time. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with either fight. Oh, I, I was not either. But you know, um, let me see. I I'm terrible with names today. But um, Carmazzaley she took advantage Arianne of Ariani Ariani carnalosi, Carnelosi, Jesus Christ! I'm sorry. Excuse me, Miss Carnelosi. She took advantage of it. She knew Nunes would be rusty. She knew there was no way Nunes could really be in the shape she needed to be in. So she just pressured her, stayed on her, made it a grinding battle, and eventually Nunes gave up, gave something up. I mean, she couldn't really control position. She couldn't really scare off with her power. Uh, Carnelosi stayed on her and just basically wore her out, which is the best thing you should do. When you're fighting a fighter who hasn't fought often or or is coming on suspension, you test their gas tank. You don't test their skill or their grappling or their striking. You test their gas tank. Can they maintain a pace? Can they fight off in that physical battle? Usually, the gas tank will fail you before your skills do, and that's essentially what happened. Nunes didn't have the gas or the physicality to push off and get to position she needed to, and that's what lost her the fight. Yeah.
0: Okay. On Tuesday's uh, Tuesday night contender series. Uh, we had a fight there with um, uh, Piera Rodriguez beating Velasca, I think it's Velasca Machado, uh, by unanimous decision. Uh, Piera, uh, she got a contract out of it. Uh, she is originally from Venezuela. Now, what I discovered when I was watching the show is that. She goes around all – she does like Valentina Shevchenko. She goes around all over the place training at different places. So she's got kind of a traveling road show. I think she lives in Panama, but she travels around all over the place uh, to different camps. Um, Velasca Velasca is from uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. She trains at the all-female team MSP with um, former Smack Girl fighter Anna-Michelle Tavares. Okay. And it was an okay fight. Uh, I, I thought the reason I thought Piera would win. And the reason being that she has much more international experience than uh, than uh, Valesca. Valeska has only fought in the uh, Brazilian regional circuit. And I think she'll improve and we may see her later. And uh, Piera had fought internationally uh, for uh, M1 Global and companies like that. So she had a lot more ex- international experience. So I wasn't surprised that she won.
1: Not only did she have a lot more experience as far as fighting, she, she had a better quality of fight yeah. athletically yeah. or skill-wise. And it's hard to beat somebody who faced better athletes and faced better technical fighters because you there's, there's no point of reference in your previous fights that has prepared you for someone who is not only as big or as strong or as fast as you, but someone who's much more aware of techniques and strategy than you. So the things that usually she would lean on for her success didn't exist in this fight. So she hopefully, if she moves back, she starts facing better opposition. This is, this is where a lot of women's mixed martial arts fighters teams fail them. You need to take a couple losses early to find out who they are as a fighter. You can't just be so determined on them being undefeated because they come into this place like the UFC and they get completely handled because they have no concept of who they are as a fighter when things don't go their way. They have no... Plan plan B, as far as skill set, and w- we have no idea about their mentality when adversity hits. And you need to know those things before you get to the higher levels
0: to have the better. Well, I've always said that fighters learn could learn a hell of a lot more from losses than they ever will from wins.
1: Yeah, but everybody's so determined to get somebody in the UFC fast because it helps our camp. fight? Look, we got three girls in the UFC right away. Yeah, but what was their records when they got into the UFC? Oh, don't talk about that. One in six. No, prepare fighters. And I've talked to, I've talked to coaches about this. They're like, a lot of these girls come in underprepared. You should s- send them to the UFC when they are prepared and they can put wins together, not just say they're UFC fighter and, and lose two, three fights in a row before being cut. Schwan, they want the money. Yeah, but the long-term money would be better if they could put wins together, especially in these divisions now. You can get to a title fight with three wins. If you have a girl who's prepared, she could be in title contention in less than six months. So let's talk about Pierre for a second because she got a contract out
0: of this. Uh,
1: wh- what do you see with her? Um, I, see, I see she ha- she's, she has an identity as a fighter and she seems aware of things such as like pacing. And not just a lot of girls know the technical aspects of what to do, but they don't know what to do when an opponent puts up resistance. Like they're only good at technique when they're in complete control. She seems to understand about positioning and counters. When she's not in advantageous positions, like she knows how to cut things off before before they become a problem for her. Whereas a lot of fighters, since they're used to being in complete control, they don't even they don't e- even learn how to recognize threats anymore. Like somebody setting them in our bar, they figure oh, I'll just get out of it because I'll out out out. Oh, somebody's got me up against the cage. It's fine. I'll just punch my way out. They don't have any sense of awareness because they haven't faced any real competition athletically or technically. Piera seems to have an awareness of danger spots and safety zones, and she seems to have an identity of, of who she is as a fighter and what she needs to do to win. I don't. I didn't see that in her opponent. In fact, I don't see that in a lot of girls coming up for regional MMA. They just think they know what they, they should do. They have no idea what they really do when it gets difficult. Yeah, her performance she, she
0: didn't seemed surprise to surprise me. she, Sorry, she didn't
1: dynamic, but she, seemed, she didn't seem dynamic, but she seemed very poised about what she was going to do it and how she was going to do it.
0: Yeah, she's going to have to step it up a bit when she's uh, fighting a better competition. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that she's good enough to beat better competition, but I know that she should at least put up a good showing. And there, there's one thing I want to say before we move on. Even fighters who are not as good as another fighter, I know at the end of the day, it's wins and losses. But my thing is, like, how are you prepared when you see certain fighters fight someone and they can't take anything away from that fighter? I can't get out of any bad spot there's losing and then there's you shouldn't be in the cage of this person losing i'm okay with people losing that's going to happen some guys going to be better than you girls will be better than you but it can't be to the point where you look like you don't belong in the cage with some of these people and that's what happens with some of these contenders women when they get to the cage with legitimate ufc fighters they look like they don't even belong there they can't defend a take down they can't take away a leg kick they can't stop a jab they can't defending the clinch they can't get back to their feet they can't throw up submissions from the bottom it's like they're completely outclassed and if you're completely outclassed you should not be in an organization that means you've been moved too quickly losing is acceptable but being routinely and repeatedly outclassed like that is unacceptable and that means your camp did not do their job and your career is going to suffer for it
0: all right let's move on to this saturday show now i just wanted to make a note that for canadian fans because this show is on in the afternoon, starts at 1 p.m. It again will not be on TSN. The entire show will be on UFC Fight Pass. So that's the Canadian fans. Of course, I'm Canadian. And so just wanted to make mention of that. So there I think three uh, Wait a minute. In a women's- Are you women's Canadian? Huh?
1: Wait a minute, you're Canadian? You know that already. I don't don't tell me what I know. That's when Utopia.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Ha, ha 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 Anyway, there's three women's fights on this show. The first one is on the main card. You're gonna have to refer it. Jessica Rose Clark is returning. Uh-huh. Uh she's been and out she is- yeah, well, she's been injured a lot. Uh Jessica Rose Clark is returning. I can't remember who she's facing.
1: Uh she is facing the unstoppable and highly ranked Jocelyn Edwards.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I know who she's facing. Right. So Jessica Rose Clark is from Australia. Okay. She is these days training at Team Alpha Male in Sacramento. Okay. So we all know who those guys are. Okay. Yes. And, you know, she's a lower mid card. F- this card, this match is on the main card, man. She's a lower mid card fighter, at hey, they're, best.
1: They're filling plus, contractual
0: obligations, and plus, she's been had some serious injuries, especially with her foot. So I don't know what she's going to be like. I don't think she's fought for like a year and a half, and she had a big layoff before that. So yep. she's had a couple of big injury layoffs. Okay, and I don't think she's that good a fighter. Okay, Jocelyn Edwards has had a couple of fights in the UFC. I think she's got one and one. Uh, she's from Panama, I think. She's training these days at Kings MA in uh, Huntington Beach, another one of these super gyms, you know? And so, uh, eh, I'm not overly thrilled with the fight. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, Rose Clark, she's probably Team Alpha male because to enhance her ability in grappling and scrambles and her pace and to get her better sparring. Um, one of the main things that um, people from Team Alpha Male generally are good at is submission defense, um, getting in scrambles and fighting at a pretty high pace. Their striking's never been top-notch to me, not any of their fighters. Very few of their fighters have ever stood out as strikers, but as far as their conditioning, their ability to fight at pace, their ability to create scrambles, to get out of submissions or to find submissions, they've always been really good at. Jocelyn Edwards is a big, strong athlete with some decent overall skills. She's more of a striker more than anything else. And I'm assuming that she's going to try to impose her will with her length and her power and her strength over um, Rose Clark. It really comes down to can Rose Clark not just get into the position she wants to, but can she, she dominate in them? Because she she's not going to be good enough to strike. She might be good enough to strike with Edwards, but for Edwards actually is legitimately a hard hitter at that weight class. Every shot she hits Rose Clark with is going to probably be comparable to three to four shots that Rose Clark hits her with. So it's really a matter of can Roe Clark get her down, and can she control her on the ground and find a submission before she before she gases. So the one
0: thing about uh, uh, Jessica roach Clark, you should call her Jesse Jess. That's what everyone calls her. Okay, that's not a nickname. That's her real name, according to her. Now oh, okay. the other the other thing is Schwan, It seems to me that she switched camps. Like she first moved to the U.S. I think about three years ago or something like that
1: i think she switched camps like three times or something like that is do you read any significance into that well it's hard because in one instance i have to i i champion it because a lot of fighters get so loyal to a camp they can't see that they've hit their limit they've hit that glass ceiling they can't improve anymore with that camp in another instance it makes you kind of curious a how much of the camp going to put into you because they know that you're known for switching camps a lot? Are, are they really going to invest in you the way they would if they know you're down for them for life? And B, how much are you really picking up in camps? Because it's it's just not normal to switch camps. From camp. I mean, even if you're getting better, how much better can you possibly get? Because you're just taking like a couple months here, maybe six months here, eight months there. It's very good because it makes you very familiar and comfortable, but it's hard because you don't really get the technical advancement you want you get it's more of a strategical and an awareness advantage you get from seeing different looks rolling with different bodies having different philosophies you can never really take a huge step together technically because you haven't spent enough time technically in in the in your craft or with that camp so um do you, I do think, you think that
0: in her case
1: it may have something to do with her in her written activity? uh it could be i mean you get a lot of time down and you have you start having to take questions Maybe the camp's training too hard. Maybe they didn't look out for my best interest. Maybe they pushed me into a fight where I knew I was injured. There's tons of stuff that goes behind the scenes that, that, that are going to, um that are going to force her to make certain decisions. And then secondly, being the been injured a lot recently or over her career, you can't really afford to have any missteps. So you have to put yourself in the very best positions to win because, you know, basically whether she's won or lost, usually she's had a huge break after because of some kind of injury. So you can't afford to have bad showings and you can't, in your game they can be exploited because, A, yeah. you're not a great athlete, and, B, your body breaks I down just don't. You. I just don't think she's that good in the first place. I don't know that she's that good or bad, but I do know that the stress of combat sports seems to take a particular toll on her. And if you're not available, it's really, really hard for the UFC to get behind you or push you, winner, winning or losing. Good fights are boring. So, um, Okay, what's the next fight? Uh, the next fight is going to be, I want to say Tabitha Ricci versus Maria... Yeah. Yeah, Oliveira Neta. Yeah, yeah. Tabitha Ricci, they're both Brazilians,
0: okay? Tabitha Ricci, uh, she lost the Manon Firo her first time out, okay?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, so I didn't go- about her. Yeah. Maria Oliveira is making her uh, UFC debut, but she was in the uh, Brazilian Contender Series a few years ago. So, you know, they probably got her on short notice or something like that.
1: So I'm really not looking for much with this fight. Yeah, I don't think it's a fight where it's going to tell us much about either fighter's potential moving forward as a uh, you know contenders or even just fringe contenders in the division. It's kind of a you know we're going to need at least two or three fights from each fighter before we can tell anything of, of worth for them. We already know that we already know that Richie is clearly not a high end athletic prospect or a high end technical fighter. Otherwise, she would perform better against Manon. Manon.
0: Okay, the third fight. It's interesting that this one is kicking off the uh, the prelims, right? You've got um uh, Random Marcos and who's she fighting again?
1: She is fighting the super popular and unstoppable your favorite fighter, Renato Souza, Olivia, Renato Souza.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so let me ask you a right. question about this.
1: So Renato. let me ask
0: you no no so so this is one of those fights where probably, you would think the loser would get cut, right? Except the UFC just signed Ashley Yoder to a new contract, so I'm not so sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to be great.
0: And these two are better than Ashley Yoder, for Christ's sakes.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, Marcos is, the random Marcos has just been a big underachiever in her prime with her athletic No, no, you know, what her
0: pro- you, know, you know what her problem is? Between her ears.
1: But that that's what I'm saying. Like, with her physical tools, she should have been a strong five through seven contender in the, the division. But because she, A, does not like to be challenged because she went to another camp. She said it was uncomfortable. She didn't like being pushed in different yeah, directions. Yeah, yeah. You know, she, she went to TriStar in Montreal. She she hasn't really expanded her game. To be honest, I mean, there's been there's been some improvement, but those improvements have come from becoming a veteran fighter. Technically speaking, she's pretty much the same fighter she's always been. Only difference is now she's not as nearly as athletic do- athletically dominant, and people are more familiar with her style. So some of the things she did to get out of trouble or to get into certain spots, people scout for them, and she's no longer able to get those spots. One, because they've scouted for them, two, because she's facing a better class of athlete. Um, she should win this fight though. Because, um, well, I I,
0: I, I I wanted to ask one more thing about her now, She's been to a sports psychologist, eh?
1: Uh, yes, so
0: I wonder if she's gone to him lately. Now, I, I just wanted to mention she's back with her old camp where she first started. she oh, lives gosh. in Windsor, she lives in Windsor, Ontario, and she goes across the border. She tra- She trains at uh, Michigan top team in Dearborn, Michigan, with uh,
1: Darren Kirkshank. I don't, I don't think a sports psychologist is really her issue. I think the issue is she really she hasn't really defe- de- developed a strong identity as a fighter outside of just being super active and, and aggressive. And she doesn't have a – what's her fundamental skill set? Is she a really great grappler? No. Is she a great wrestler? No. Is she a great striker? No. She's just a, an athlete with a lot of aggression and a lot of activity. She doesn't dominate you anywhere outside of having the athletic ability and the horsepower behind you to – control position to beat you up on the feet but technically she's nothing special six years ago she's nothing special now as much of a disappointment
0: as random marcos has been okay lavinia souza
1: may be a bigger disappointment what do you think Sean? i never thought souza was going to be great she she's not big for the weight class and she's a fighter who gets by exclusively on her aggression and her physicality she's not even really a great striker but at the regional level she could bully girls and intimidate them with her power and her strength and she's never been that dominant in the ufc she's never just she's beaten girls but she's never really crushed girls and every time she's facing a, an, an athlete who's maybe bigger or stronger more physical than her she's lost and she's lost decisively she's kind of like a bully kind of like a front runner and she faces certain people you watch her against you know she fought Froda. Alex Chambers, two fighters who are not very durable or very physical. Walked them down, beat them up. She fights Brittany Van Buren. You she got her lot. ass kicked. She got her ass kicked. Ashley Yoder, she dominated her, but she never really had Ashley close to being finished. And then she fought Amanda Limo and she got yeah. in her She She just so doesn't so I- have the physical tools to fight the style that she's built up for herself at the regional level. And she has no ability to adjust.
0: So this is one of those fights where, uh, you know, the loser, you'd think the loser would get cut, but I'm, now I'm not so sure.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, would, I would think Rhonda Marcus has got to be very close to being cut. But once again, like you said, um, you know, the thing The thing with the girls fighters is the divisions are so thin. And if you're willing to take fights whenever they come to you, the UFC is going to look out for you. That's just the way it works.
0: Okay. And we Rhonda- have...
1: Taking every challenge, and so has uh, Souza. She's taken on whoever they've asked her to. They like yeah. that.
0: Okay, we we have a women's fight on Tuesday's Contender Series. Uh, I'm trying to remember how to pronounce the Chinese fighter's name. It's uh, Ki Hui. I'm not sure about the rest of it. <laughs> her opponent is, I think, uh, it's a Brazilian fighter. I can't remember her name at the moment. So. The Chinese fighter, now what they've done is they've brought over uh, nine Chinese fighters for the last two weeks of the Contender Series who've been uh, training at the UFC uh, Performance Institute in China, okay? And uh, this girl's an experienced fighter, okay? She has fought internationally uh, for places like M1, and she's also fought for Kunlun and people like that. So she has international experience, okay? Uh, the other girl, I can't remember her name at the moment, uh, is just a typical Brazilian fighter. Uh, doesn't seem like there's anything particularly unusual about her. So they're obviously doing these fights with the Chinese fighters to
1: they're showcase trying, the Chinese, the Chinese trying to get fighters. Trying to, that, 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 to get access to that fan base. The same way they were trying to get access to the Mexican fan base with Alexa Grasso and Irina Aldana. That's right. That's so, right. So...
0: I, I mean, uh, I'll watch it. I don't know if, what, what it's going to be like or anything like that, but uh, we'll
1: see. It's ridiculous that the UFC is trying to have a setup fight in a contender series fight. That's supposed to be the best matchups of Young's talent, and they're trying to be setting someone up for a win. That's what they're trying to do. They're they, setting up for they, her to have they, a win.
0: Listen, Schwann, they do that a lot in the contender series.
1: Yeah, I I know it, but that goes against what they're actually advertising. And with the men, it's a little bit harder because you never know the the talent gap isn't as wide. You could have a guy who doesn't seem very good and is actually on par with the guy who's who's on the win streak. With the women's division, when you make a mismatch, it is painfully obvious it's a mismatch.
0: So, Schwan, at the end of the month, we're going to have a show in Abu Dhabi, right? That's on October 30th. So, uh, as of, uh, I think, early November, the um, uh, the traveling rules are going to be set up as far as vaccination and that sort of thing. And uh, we're going to see, I think, a lot more shows in Abu Dhabi. Oh, that's good. Uh, so that's what Dana White says anyway. He says because of the vaccination rules and traveling and all of that uh, and visa problems and stuff like that, we're probably going to see more shows. Uh, in fight, on Fight Island because it's going to be more difficult to travel.
1: I'm not a fan of Dana as a person, even to a businessman. Just, well, as a businessman who works on the behalf of his employees, I'm not a fan of his. But as an as a businessman for, for his own interests or his company's interests, he is masterful at finding angles and avenues to get his people, get his, his company going and continue the show without any interruptions. Uh, we can't go here. This is going to get tighter. Cool. We're going somewhere else where... We can kind of skip. Hello. Schwan. Yeah. You cut off there. Hello? You cut off there. I, I just said it. It's very impressive how he pretty much has an answer. For any circumstance or situation that comes up, pandemic, I'm still going to do shows. The main card guy disappears, I'll find a replacement. We need to move different locations, we'll do that. He is single-minded in his ability to get the UFC show to the viewers, and it's great for him. The fighters don't understand how eventually this devalues him and puts him in a bad position, but you know, it's amazing that he's, he's this prepared for every circumstance.
0: Okay, I did want to mention one other thing, and that's that there's a rising show this weekend in Okinawa, and the women's fight on there is going to be uh, Arena versus Miyu Yamamoto, which I basically don't care about. They fought before, and I don't care, I think much either of them. Uh, later on, I think in November we're going to have a. There's going to be a fight to set up in its title shot for Ayaka Hamasaki's heavyweight uh, uh, championship, and that will be uh, Kana Asakura. Versus uh, Sari Oshima. Uh, Sari has had some success in jewels a deep, and I would not be surprised if she wins this fight.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't think so either. She seems like she's getting, she's kind of getting on a bit of a run. It has some momentum, and um you know, I, I, I think her popularity. I think they wouldn't be trying to put her in fights that she doesn't have at least a good chance of winning.
0: Well, she she won she won a recent fight uh in League, so that's what got her this fight. And the problem with Kana Asakura is she uh, is good on the ground,
1: awful striking. She's always working on her striking, but she's not going I don't think she's doing if if you're not getting better as a striker and people think being better as a striker is just kicks and punches, it's actually like Damian Maya was never a great striker, but when he stopped trying to get into kickboxing matches, His footwork and his positioning allowed him to pressure guys and get him in position for those takedown attempts without him being countered. That was great work on his camp to recognize, okay, this isn't his strength. Let's focus on something that can get him to his strengths while being in an area of weakness. So for her to not get better at her striking, she's probably doing the wrong work. Oh, let me get these combinations. No, get a, get a consistent jab, learn how to attack on angles, learn how to exit on angles and learn how to have a tight enough guard where you can transition to grappling smoothly, but she's probably focusing on punches and counters and staying on her toes. And, and that's not, she's not, she's not the athlete for that. And she's never going to pick those skills up at a, at a high enough clip for her, her to pull them off against good competition. So I think she's doing the wrong. deep. Schwan, you got anything you want to talk about? Or is that it? No, I think that's it, sir.
0: Okay. Before I finish up, I just want to mention that this morning I watched the documentary summer of soul okay which is about a 1969 uh harlem cultural festival the the film footage the fi- film footage was lost for 50 years and uh, Questlove directed this film uh, highly recommend especially if you're a big black music fan man. everything from mahalia jackson to sly and the family stone man and this is on disney plus definitely watch it please it's a great documentary I think you'll dig it. Okay. So, uh, again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. The fights we were talking about, all the videos are up on my blog. If you have any questions or comments for my blog or either my podcast, you can leave them an Anchor's voicemail. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so at uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.